This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. If you're constantly on the hunt for a good deal, then you need Rakuten. Rakuten is the smartest way to save money when you shop because members get cash back at over 3,500 stores across every category, including fashion, beauty, electronics, home essentials, traveling, dining, and more. You're already shopping at your favorite stores. Why not save while you're doing it? It's a no-brainer. Get the Rakuten app now and join the 17 million members who are already saving. Cashback rates change daily. See Rakuten.com for details. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Your cashback really adds up. Sound the gifting panic alarm. We've all been there. You need to find the perfect gift. You have absolutely zero ideas and you don't know where to start. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. Just answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and gift mode gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Imagine pages of artisan espresso mugs for the coffee connoisseur in your life, or for the pickleballer, customized paddle covers in every shade imaginable. Etsy's got you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. This episode of Travel Today with Peter Greenberg is brought to you by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. I wish that I could fly into the sky the charge for looking at this pamphlet is $3. The charge for looking at this pamphlet and putting it back quickly is $4. Hi everybody, Peter Greenberg here and welcome to the podcast that's done from a different location around the world every single week. One day Canada, the next day Thailand, then New York, London, you just never know. This week we come to you from the legendary Hotel Del Coronado in Coronado, California, near San Diego. The Peter Greenberg Worldwide phone lines are open now. So call us at 1-888-887-3837. That's 1-888-88-PETER. Once again, here's your host, Peter Greenberg. 
33 minutes after the hour. Peter Greenberg here with you from the Hotel Del Coronado in Coronado, California. Not far from San Diego for those people who understand where Coronado is. Taking your calls at 888-887-3837. That's 888-88-PETER. And if you can't get through on the phones, you know the drill. You email me to peter at petergreenberg.com with your name, phone number, question or problem. We will solve it right here on the air. Uh, In the interest of full disclosure, once a year I take my boat. It's an exciting excursion for me from Marina Del Rey in in Southern California, and I head south. I I leave about 5 o'clock in the morning, and uh, at around 2.30 in the afternoon, I'm rounding Point Loma. I call into the Navy to let them know I'm coming because you have to let them know you're coming in. It's one of those vessel traffic control harbors. They take it very seriously, and in I come into the San Diego Harbor, but then I keep going, and I sail under the Coronado Bridge, and actually sail it around either to uh, to the Lowe's Hotel or over here to Glorietta and put the boat in here. And I'm down here for like three days of just the best time ever. <laughs> and the person who you hear laughing on the other end of that line is the Honorable Mayor of Coronado. And his name is uh, Casey Tanaka. Casey, uh, Mr. Mayor, thanks for coming in. Peter, thank you for having me. So now you understand I like Coronado. Well, I'm glad to hear it. I and, do. Uh, you, you have a unique way of enjoying it, too, so I'm impressed. It's true. I mean, and I used to come down here all the time to cover the Navy when I was, you know, when I was covering the state of California for Newsweek. But this is just pure pleasure to come down here and enjoy it that way. And what I experienced in Coronado, it's just, it's really actually a slower pace. Absolutely. I think that, you know, Coronado is a resort town. It's a Navy town. It's a family town. And I think one of the things that links all three together is the desire to take some time off, to relax, to take care of your family. And, uh, to enjoy yourself. And you were elected mayor. You were reelected again? I was. My goodness, a two-termer. I don't know. Uh, always been good to me. And if you weren't mayor, what would you, what would you be doing? Well, I'm actually a full-time history teacher. I teach uh, AP U.S. History and U.S. Government at Coronado High School. So I've, I'm in my 16th year, and I tell people I So moon- they haven't found out yet? No, I moonlight as mayor. They, they let me do that. <laughs> so basically, if you're not doing well in your class, you can get in trouble in the city, too. You could. I, I've taught several children of the ba- local base commander. I'm teaching the city manager's daughter right now. I've, I've taught a wide variety of Coronado uh, yeah. specialties. So the words, be nice to your teacher, take on extra meaning. It, it does. But I will say in, uh, in support of Coronado kids, they're, just, they're a great group. Uh, they really come to school ready to learn. They believe in the system. And they've seen a lot of people succeed in that system, so they're motivated to give it a shot. Is this high school? Yes. All right, so let me put you on the spot. If I were in your class today, what book would you make me read, well, I'd make and you, why? I'd make you read my textbook, The American Pageant by David Kennedy. But, uh, you know, a book I was thinking about recently was a book called Six Frigates by Ian Toll. It talks about the, the first six frigates in the U.S. Navy, that, you know, kind of constitution class like the one you could visit in Boston. We're talking and, 1800s. Yeah. Uh, yes, late 1700s, early 1800s, mid-1800s. And I mentioned this book because a lot was going on in the Navy that I had never heard of. You know, And I'm a history major by trade, so I was fascinated at the uh, adventures and journeys of these ships, particularly at a time when we just didn't take our Navy as seriously as we should have. You know, it's interesting. The, the, the book that I'm totally fascinated by are any biographies of Hyman Rickover. You know, uh, let me tell you, that's who I did my undergraduate thesis on. Well, I, I will tell you a story. I'm not making this up. If you were a submarine uh, commander in line to be given your own command, meaning you're about to com- command one of the subs, you had to do the interview with him. Indeed. And I remember one story that, that one of the commanders told me that he walked in, standing at attention, and Rick Ober was sitting at his desk, and he looked at him and he said, make me angry. 
You know the story? I do. And the officer said, excuse me, sir? He said, make me angry. And he took his hand, and he just cleared the desk. He did. And guess what? He got the job. Well, the, the, the version of that story I heard is he said to that officer, I bet there's nothing you can do that can make me angry. And the officer thought about it. He said, sir, I, I respectfully disagree. And again, he, he was trying to bully him. And he really said, I'm telling you, there is not a thing you could do. And, and the kid held his ground, did exactly as you mentioned, knocked everything off his desk. And as I read the story, you know, the admiral smiled. And the reason he had such an unorthodox interviewing technique is he, he didn't want to be, he said, snowed. He didn't want people to go in trying to trick him or say what, what they thought he wanted to hear. And for those people who study history, and I know you do, he surpassed every mandatory retirement. What, time, what age did he actually retire as, as the admiral? He was about 80. He, he retired, I believe, in 1980, and he died around, I think, 82. And yeah. he was an, a four-star admiral when he left. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Bahamar Casino and Hotel. Bahamar is the new standard of incomparable luxury, offering the Caribbean's grandest gaming, a Jack Nicholas signature golf course, white sand beaches and more. It's at once thrillingly exotic and beautifully refined. Welcome to the new Riviera. Visit Bahamar.com today. segment of Peter Greenberg Worldwide is proudly brought to you by MedJet Assist. If you're injured or hospitalized while traveling, MedJet Assist will arrange medical transportation directly to the hospital of your choice. Travel safely and be smart. Get MedJet Assist. Take trips, not chances. Now back to Peter Greenberg. 43 minutes after the hour, Peter Greenberg here with you from the Hotel Del Coronado and joining us again, the mayor of Coronado, Casey Tanaka and history teacher. So far, I'm doing okay, right? Absolutely. I was actually impressed. <laughs> I was. I mean, what's amazing to me about the harbor here in San Diego and also in Coronado, it's really a, a, a busy harbor. This is no this is no kidding around. I mean, we have the, the Port of Los Angeles, but nothing like this because you got the Navy here. Well, you know, one of the, the advantages of this harbor is its geography. The weather is great. I think people know how to get in and get out of it easily. I mean, it's, it's just a very simple, logical spot. And once we, were, we as a region were able to convince the Navy of what we already knew, that this is a great place to, to park its ships, it's flourished ever since. Yeah, it's amazing how many ships decide to show up in Coronado or actually in the harbor simply because it's so cool here. Indeed. Well, there are two different places. Well, three, actually. We have North Island. We have North Island, where the carriers are parked. We have 32nd Street, where the surface fleet is parked. And then we have Point Loma, where you sail around. It's also a submarine base. So there are, you know, it tells you in such a small spot how many great locations there are for the U.S. Navy. Otherwise known as party, party, party. <laughs> nah, I only see them working hard. They, they party, but they, they do a good job of hiding it, I guess. That's a very good political answer. You know they have fun, too. They do. They do. But, you know, who doesn't? Exactly. What would be the biggest surprise for someone who's never been to Coronado that they're going to see that they're not expecting? 
you know, I think they'll be surprised at how how Coronado being surrounded by water makes all the difference for whatever they're going to do, and that we have two elements of water. We have a bay side and a beach side, and that we also have a narrow area called the Strand, and between those three elements, there are so many things for someone to do in Coronado, whether it's golf, walk, jog, bicycle, beach, bay, paddleboard, visit Navy things, visit historic homes, visit the Hotel Dell. You know, it's it's sort of like Rome. You can't visit that place in a day, and we're no Rome, but but there's a lot to do in Coronado. I think that's surprising. Well, there's a slogan you don't want to put out there in your marketing campaign. We're no Rome. <laughs> well, I'm glad we're not Rome. <laughs> we don't have some of the problems they have. Exactly. Like decaying buildings. Right. Um, with all due respect to the Coliseum. Then there's the bridge. I find the bridge fascinating, too. The bridge is an interesting story because Coronado people didn't want it. And the governor at the time... What was it before? Just a ferry? It was a ferry. And uh, in fact, our main street, Orange Avenue, would clog up every day with cars waiting to get on that ferry. And they got people got used to it. But the real diehard Coronado people knew that Coronado would never be the same if it became easy to get there. And so Coronado people didn't want the bridge, but they got it anyway. And how much did it change? It, it absolutely changed the town because because we didn't want it. We didn't participate in a lot of the planning and therefore the bridge was placed in the worst possible location for us as Coronadoans. And that means whenever people drive to the work, particularly on the Navy bases, they have to drive the whole length of our town right down the middle of it. And so traffic is our biggest issue, and we're split in, in quarters. We're split right down the middle two different spots because of traffic and partially because of where the bridge is. Is there still a ferry service? No. Uh, in order to make sure that the bridge would be able to pay off its bond debt... They canceled they, the ferry. Yeah. They legally said you may not operate a ferry. There's a ferry today for commuters, but not for cars. So you can still go across? You can. And in fact, it's one of the great ways to bike the bay is you, to use the ferry to get across it and then bike one side or the other. That's cool. It's great. Do you bike? <laughs> well, I... I Come I on. Ha- I have an electric bicycle, so oh, I Oh, cheater. I am a cheater, but I'm, you can't tell on the radio, but I'm a fat man, so that's how I stay fat, is taking my electric bike around. So basically the name of your autobiography is Staying Fat by Casey Tanaka. If you are sitting next to a small child or someone who is acting like a small child, please do us all a favor and put on your mask first. participate in the program and speak with Peter Greenberg, call 1-888-887-3837 or visit petergreenberg.com. Now back to Peter Greenberg Worldwide. 52 minutes after the hour, Peter Greenberg here with you from the legendary Hotel Del Coronado in Coronado, California, taking your calls at 888-887-3837. That's 888-88-PETER. And if you can't get through on the phones, you know the drill. You email me to peter at petergreenberg.com with your name, phone number, question, or problem. We'll solve it throughout the show right here on the air. When I was growing up in New York City, I'll always remember my second or third grade textbook. And it was, and and, uh, you talk to any kid who grew up in New York at that time, and they still remember that book. It was called Broadening Your Horizons. And it was basically giving you an opportunity to say, hey, think outside the box, think outside your city, learn about other places, learn about other cultures. And as simplistic as it was, we did. Guess what? Still going on today, and my next guest knows a little bit about that. 
She's the chief executive officer of something called United Through Reading right here in Coronado, and her name is Sally Anzol. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Do you remember that book? I do. Oh, my God, this is scary. That's crazy, huh? <laughs> but it it's a, true, right? We, we did it. It was a great book. But it was all about travel, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you still do that today. Yeah. Um, our program unites our military families when the parent is off traveling. <laughs> it's what they do, whether they're deployed, whether they're separated from their families. Well, we've training. got such a military community here in San Diego, especially with the Navy and all the aircraft carriers that are based here. I mean, it's, it's a huge population. It is. But when you unite, though, <laughs> excuse me, through reading... You're also teaching the kids where their parents are. Yeah, exactly. And we hear stories all the time about um, a ship who docks. They've been gone for three months, and they suddenly dock in a foreign place. And the uh, sailors will go off the ship. They'll purchase a book that's right there from that country, and then they'll go back onto the aircraft carrier. And through the United Through Reading, they'll read that book to their children, and the children get the daddy or mommy uh, talking about the uh, foreign place that they're in right now. Because otherwise, you're living in a vacuum, aren't you? I yeah. mean, otherwise, you just have no connectivity at all to where they are, not to mention distance or time, just culture as well. Exactly. Uh, and, and, and lots of people say, why not Skype? Uh, Skype is a great way to communicate, but it's not something that you can go back to over and over again. So if mommy reads you a book from Djibouti, and you can put that DVD in and watch mommy read the book from Djibouti about Djibouti over and over So and over the way again. that you do it, if I get the logistics right, yeah. they read the book on a DVD? They read a book, they're filmed while they're on the ship or while they're at their command, and we put it on a DVD, and we send the book and that DVD home to the child. So the kid can actually read along. All the time. Love it's, it. it's called Mommy and Daddy on Demand. Wow. Isn't that awesome? I would like to see that right here in <laughs> a number of communities here. I know. I wish we had more of Mommy and Daddy on Demand. Yeah, yeah. I, well, that's true. Right. But you know what? When was the last time? Think about this. And, now, and I open this up to my own listeners. When was the last time that you read a book to somebody else or somebody else read a book to you? It has so much more impact. Mm. Uh, the, the emotional connection is uh, amazing. The emotional connection is amazing. And what we find with these parents and these children when they do reconnect there's no time left. I mean, there's no time that's passed. It's like that. It, it's just an amazing reconnection. I remember, and this goes back once again to elementary school, where I was asked, and all the other kids were asked to stand up and read from a book. Yes. And we were graded on whether we read with expression, right? Right. I think I did. Right. <laughs> you know what, Peter? I'm pretty sure you did. <laughs> well, otherwise I would have been punished by my mother because she read with expression. Okay. But I mean, I bet you find that even the most reticent military father or, or mother is actually stepping up to the plate and reading with expression. Absolutely. They're getting involved. Absolutely. Uh, General Amos, who is the commandant of the Marine Corps. By the way, hear that? I hear that. That's military. That's, that's the sound of freedom, isn't it? That's right. You know, yeah. that, that's one of the military jets landing right here on North Island. Yeah. 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 General Amos told me that he read uh, in uh, Camp Leatherneck last Christmas to his grandchildren. And he read... He said, kids, this is Papa Bear, and I'm going to read you a story. Now, that's what a commandant of a Marine Corps should sound like, right? Well, but that's how we started. And then he got into it, probably. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. How many books are we talking about? How many people are actually involved in this? We have, uh, to date, served about 2 million uh, military family members around the world in 25 years. And how did this start? It started uh, 25, 26 years ago. Uh, a, a mom. Uh, her husband was a, a Vietnam flight surgeon, and he left for a year. And she was a reading teacher and had an 18-month-old child. And when he came home, the, her daughter did not recognize him. So it was traumatic for the whole family. It was traumatic for him. It was traumatic for her. And that was a story that repeated itself over, over and, and over again. And, and she saw that. So she said, what if I went to a captain of one of the ships here in Coronado and said, 
all right, before you leave, I'll bring my camera and I'll record your sailors reading a book and they can leave that big tape. Remember the big tape? Of course. Yeah. They can leave that behind so that their child can watch this while daddy's gone. And there were a couple of captains who said, no, not so much. And there were a couple who said, that's a great idea. And that's how it was born. You know, there's some ancillary benefits here as well, because I would suspect that there's increased literacy rates. Oh, you know what? You Spot on. Spot on. There's so much research that says the more you read to a child before they enter kindergarten, the better they will do in school and the more success they will have. My mother once told me something I never forgot. And, of course, as, older, as, as I got older, I realized, as all kids probably do if they're smart enough, that mom was always right. You know what she said to me? It's more important to be interested than interesting. And when you read and you're interested in it, it comes across. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what happens with our children. One of the things that we encourage our uh, military sailors. Three, two. Audible.com has more than 150,000 titles and virtually every genre. So check it out for yourself. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel. Hello, uh, this is your captain speaking. There is absolutely no cause for The Peter Greenberg Worldwide phone lines are open now. So call us at 1-888-887-3837. That's 1-888-88-PETER. Once again, here's your host, Peter Greenberg. 33 minutes after the hour, Peter Greenberg here with you from the legendary Hotel Del Coronado here in Southern California. Looking right out the Pacific Ocean here, how gorgeous is that? We've been talking with Terry Maxson, the staff writer for the Dallas Morning News, who posed the question right before we went to the break about the original model of the planes like Maxjet and Silverjet, there was another one called L'Avion, that were doing all business class configurations between, let's say, New York and the United Kingdom or New York and Paris, and what happened to them? Well... L'Avion was actually bought by British Air. They now operate it as, a, as, a, as an airline called Open Skies. It's actually a subsidiary of British Air, but an all-business-class configuration between Newark and London. Uh, Maxjet and Silverjet failed. They both filed Chapter 7, and their planes were parked at the time that you mentioned it, 2007, 2008. But now, something's coming back. The same guys who brought out uh, Silverjet got together a group of investors and figured out the time was right, even before the fuel prices dropped, and they've now started a company out of Paris called La Compagnie. They went out and got a, a, a 757-200 from Iceland Air, and they restored that and reconfigured it entirely into 74 all-business-class seats. It's a gorgeous plane. Uh, they just got a second 757, and they're starting service this month from Luton, which is a tertiary airport outside of London, to Newark. So the airline has basically two planes. So they don't have a lot of frequency. They don't have a lot of flights. But what they do have, great service and low fares. 
What do you think, Terry, is what they were charging for a, a business class flight from Paris to New York? What do you think? Well, I would hope it, uh, to capture the people uh, they hope to capture. Not more than three thousand uh, in in peak periods. You can pay uh, uh, pay from from the DFW area less from the East Coast. You can you can pay you know twelve hundred dollars, thirteen hundred dollars for a nonstop from uh, Central USA to to London. So I would hope the business class wouldn't be a multiple of that. Well, believe it or not, about fourteen hundred bucks. It was a great deal. And, well, it is, and they're doing, and they're doing pretty well. Um, and, and what they've decided to do, and not make the same mistake as other carriers, they obviously have to grow. They want to get bigger, but they don't want to grow with routes. They want to grow with frequency on the routes they've got. So they'll try to do maybe a morning, an afternoon, and an evening flight on the New York to Paris run, and the same thing on the New York to London run. And they think they'll be okay as long as they can keep those fares down. It becomes a a very good, viable economic alternative than going full business class on any of the other major carriers. Then comes the fun part, the one that's grabbing all the attention, uh, where all the airlines are turning this into a big attack on these guys, and that's the airline called Norwegian. Norwegian is actually flying under European Union rules. They're based in Oslo, flying with Singaporean crews, but flying as an Irish company uh, with with uh, under the EU rules that allow them to fly open skies to anywhere they want, and they're right now flying to Florida, to Los Angeles, to New York at unbelievably cheap rates, using Boeing 787 Dreamliners, and uh, they're you know what they're charging on the Gatwick to New York route right now? Take a guess, one way. I think I think I think I think I saw that. Is it around 600? Try 250. Oh wow! 250 oh, wow. bucks, Terry. And they're, and they're filling the planes. Uh, they just started a new route from Orlando to Copenhagen. It's the longest route out of the Orlando airport. They're flying almost 4,800 4, miles, and it's a very uh, competitive fare because they hub in Copenhagen or Oslo and then keep going to Asia. It's, and, of course, all the U.S. airlines are screaming, unfair, unfair, unfair. But what, what Norwegian's done is they've essentially beaten the U.S. airlines at their own game playing by their rules, and it's working. And guess what? My baby beside me at the wheel Cruising and playing the radio With no particular place to go To participate in the program and speak with Peter Greenberg, call 1-888-887-3837 or visit petergreenberg.com. Now back to Peter Greenberg Worldwide. 52 minutes after the hour, Peter Greenberg here with you from the Hotel Del Coronado in Coronado, California, taking your calls at 888-887-3837. That's 888-88-PETER. If you can't get through on the phones, you know exactly what to do. You email me to peter at petergreenberg.com with your name, phone number, question, or problem. We will solve it right here on the air. Let's do one right now. Um, here's one from, uh, from Mary Klutz who writes, Dear Peter, I know you've written about this in the past, but I have noticed an interesting thing in my experience with the TSA. When I fly out of SFO, I, let's say San Francisco International, I probably have the TSA pre-check on my boarding pass every time. However, when I return from an airport outside of the state of California, it seems like I never see the TSA pre-check. This happens so consistently that it seems very difficult to believe that this is an accident since TSA in California is not really TSA 
Oh, no. That, well, actually, it is the TSA. Here are the reasons. I, I can probably answer that question for you. If you have a known registration number with the TSA, you would have gotten that when you got your uh, TSA pre-check number or if you'd gotten a global entry. Uh, next time you, you reserve a flight on an, on an Internet from the airline, they'll ask you for your known traveler ID. Put that in your profile, and that will automatically trigger TSA pre-check on your boarding pass. And if you don't have that number, but you happen to have it with you when you're at the airport, when you check in for the flight there, before they give you the boarding pass, ask them to manually enter it, and that will also generate your TSA pre-check stamp on your boarding pass. And if it doesn't work that way, then you better call me because something's really screwed up. But I've had the same thing happen to me, and that's how we solved it. Okay? Joining us now, someone who knows a little bit about seafood. I, I, and we're, right by, we're right by the sea. The uh, the chef de cuisine at 1500 Ocean right here at the Hotel Del Coronado, Meredith Manet. How are you? Fantastic. Thank you for having me. Now, you heard I said seafood because I know you are a seafood-centric kind of guy. Kind of gal. Either way. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Right? Yes, yes. Our restaurant is, um, our direction is based towards the fresh seafood and California cuisine based all around the local and organic farmers that uh, live right on our back door. Now, everybody talks about farm to table, and it's getting a little nauseating because I don't even know what that means anymore. Right. Because everybody has a different definition of how they actually put it in practice. How do you do it? Um, luckily, uh, and it's a great attribute here at the Dell, we have a garden on property. I passed it. Yes, yeah. yeah. It's uh, it, it gets the nice ocean breeze and uh, it flourishes. So a and what, lot of and the, what are you growing there? A lot of the herbs and, and vegetables that we serve in the restaurant. Right now we're um, growing Swiss chard, kale. Um, but going into the spring and summer months, I have peas and tomatoes, um, tons of herbs. Um, are you actually growing enough to service the hotel? And that's a great question. Um, so I will do specials based like for a nightly special and I'll harvest all the tomatoes and I'll use them in a dish. Um, it's not, it doesn't produce enough vegetables to supply the numbers that we serve every night, but the, um, but the herbs that we do have, um, actually do service us, um, not just our restaurant, but Eno, which is the pizzeria and wine bar here. Um, how many different restaurants on the property? Um, there are, let's see, six different restaurants. And Um, how many, and how many different kitchens? Um, you know, there's. Um, I'll try to count in my head really quick, but uh, there's, I'm going to say, five different kitchens. Wow. And do you have a dedicated room service kitchen as well? There is um, a dedicated room service kitchen, but it's all part of our banquets kitchen. Right. So um, Beach Villages, um, where we're at right now, actually has a small little kitchen that they do uh, room service out of. So there's a lot of uh, food and beverage departments in this location. Now, we talked about farm... Hello and welcome to Alaska Flight 438. We'd like to tell you now about some important safety features of this aircraft. The most important safety feature we have aboard this plane is the flight attendants. Please look at one now. I always take this time at this time to talk about our website for one other important reason, our comprehensive list of all the aid and relief organizations doing all that hard work all around the world where you can get involved up close and personally every time you travel. You can even bookend your trips doing an hour a day, maybe even a couple of days every time you travel, just about everywhere you travel. 
and we always try to localize the volunteerism opportunities, and San Diego and Coronado are no exception. So check out the Surfrider, Surfrider Foundation. They are a grassroots nonprofit environmental organization dedicated to the protection and enjoyment of the oceans right here in San Diego and, and Coronado. No problem right there whatsoever to get close to that. Uh, their San Diego County chapter coordinates all the public beach cleanups each week, and they clean a different beach on each cleanup. And you know what? Just check them out, sandiego.surfrider.org. What better way to enjoy San Diego than getting out on the beach and helping out at the same time? And of course, check our website for all the other organizations where you are welcome. And if kids are over the age of 12, they can bring you. How about that? My next guest knows a little bit about this hotel because she's the official historian of the Hotel Del Coronado. Chris Donovan, how are you? Very well. Now, in the interest of full disclosure, I've been covering this hotel as a journalist and some of the history of this hotel Oh, God, for the last 30 years. And one story, of course, stands out. And every October, you're a very busy woman because of the of the ghost story of Kate. Uh, of Kate. Kate Morgan. Yeah. yeah. She's the guest that checked in and never checked out. She's our And re- you've never used that line before. <laughs> she's our resident ghost. And she's been here since 1892. Now, in almost every ghost story I hear, and, and, and not it's not particular to San Diego or Coronado, there's always a woman who's been jilted or there's a little kid who died at a young age and is still playing around on the upper floors. Are we close to that here at all? Yeah, just go with that. <laughs> no, seriously. What's, what's different about our ghost, I think, is that um, she did kill herself here, and supposedly from a broken heart. I told you. You see, there it is. <laughs> it was very well covered in the newspapers, which is unusual. So we have tons of newspaper reports, not just from San Diego, but L.A. and San Francisco. So there's a lot of data to go through about her stay here and her what happened to her. And there are books about it. I wrote one. I know. I'm, giving, I'm, I'm just pitching them in here. But here's the thing. It's not just the book. It's not just the story. It's the sightings. Yes. Yes, very much so. So we have some paranormal activity here. And people... And that's just room service. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and some of them get reported to me of things that are going on. Now, I remember a story. It didn't happen here, but it, it, it was one of those stories that just blew me away. It was at the Banff Springs Hotel in Canada, one of the Fairmont hotels. It was originally a railroad hotel from Canadian Pacific. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a, a bellman there. I think his name was Al. And in 19... like. 70 at the age of 67 he retired but told everybody he'd be back and two years later he died and then he came back (laughs) and here's how he would come back i mean he would um guests would call to get their bags when they're leaving Uh right and a man would come up very elderly man in like a, a very kind of a frayed red outfit right and take the bags right and he was distinctive because they'd never seen a man that old and take them downstairs. And the, the guests would come downstairs, and there were the bags. He wasn't there when they were asked to describe him, right? The guests, they described Al. Oh, my goodness. And, and they haven't even had those uniforms since 1967. Uh-oh, we're in trouble now because you've got better stories than I do. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, but, but think about it. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Well, my theory on the paranormal is that um, it does exist, but not everybody can experience it. And I haven't, but some people do. It depends on how much you pay for your room and how much <laughs> liquor you had. After about, you know, three drinks, you begin to see all sorts of things. Yeah, you could say that. 
Yeah, because some mini bar tabs are pretty scary. And then, then all of a sudden you start seeing, well, forget it. Yeah, there are stuff that, that is um, alcohol-related. But sure. I try to separate those stories from the bona fide well, sightings. forgetting the sightings and the ghost stories, and the Kate story, of course, is legendary. There's so much military history here. There is. And that's real. And that's real. Um, the, You know, we were built in 1888, so we were part of World War One, World War Two, and everything after that. Uh, especially during World War Two, we have a lot of history because we housed pilots in training during that period. And um, I we, bet those stories are pretty good. Those stories are great and legendary. Um, yeah. How many guys met their wives? A lot. A lot. See, a I knew lot, it. A yeah. lot. A lot. Did they ever come back? Oh yeah, they love it here. Um, there were all sorts of crazy stories about um, carousing, and one guy said, "Oh, they had girls galore," and he said it was the best war he ever fought. Those six months at the Dell, but it was a very nice time for them because listen, if I'm going to get drafted in a war and they house me here for six months, I'm enlisting. Exactly. They couldn't believe it. They would arrive in San Diego, and the officials would say, "You've got to go stay at the Dell." And these Hurt guys me. were, yeah, they were thrilled. So they remember it very fondly, and they we have great photos, wonderful, wonderful time in our history. But the military is still such a big presence here that the history continues. It does continue. I think it's one of the very nice things about Coronado is that we are so patriotic. And there's just a there's a lot of flags flying at the houses here. Um, if you go, well, you have a lot of retired military living in Coronado. A lot of retired military, just a, an awareness that's always been here. And even if you go to formal dinners at our hotel or other hotels, there's often a color guard. I mean, it's just very integrated into life here. Or military planes flying overhead. Exactly. Which we're hearing right now. The sound of freedom, we call that. I know. It, What's the biggest surprise for people who come to Coronado that they're not expecting? Gosh, what I've heard, which is which is sort of a funny thing, that um, it doesn't get really hot here in the summer. And people love that. People who are used to the East Coast, who think the summer is hot everywhere, they come here, it's very refreshing. Our weather is pretty perfect year-round. Um, the other thing I think is great about the hotel is we have a very nice marriage with the community. The hotel is lovely. But the community is also lovely. It's charming, it's safe, it's walkable, it's but a beautiful. But a hotel like this that has its own history that goes back, as you say, mm -hmm. to the nineteenth to the to the nineteenth century, right. uh, becomes a focal point for the community. Oh, absolutely. And the hotel Dell, when it was before it was built, the men who built the hotel designed the community of Coronado, which is why our town is so pretty. And I once had a travel writer tell me that Coronado was one of the few beaches in the world that looked as pretty with your back to the ocean as it does when you're looking out to sea. And I think that really describes... And he's now the president of the Chamber of Commerce? <laughs> no, this was, a, this was a very seasoned travel writer. And it's true, when they, when they designed Coronado, they kept the development off the beach, which is very, very unusual for Southern California. Sure. We have no houses, no hot dog stands. Nothing like that, just the Dell. You also have a very good bookstore here. Here at the Dell? No, in it's Coronado. Absolutely, Bay Books. Absolutely, and I'm a big fan of independent bookstores. Oh, and, good for you. And unfortunately, I'm leaving too early tomorrow to get by there, but I always stop there every time I'm here. 
That's so funny you would say that because I always am touting Bay Books. They they have all international newspapers there. They have wonderful selection of books. The buyer is terrific. But we also, as an adjunct to that, we have a terrific library. Have you ever been in our library? I have. It's wonderful. So um, that's where we have the advantage. We're a small town. And you know what? You, you, you bring up an interesting point because there are two places I like to go every time I visit a new community or even an old one that I'm coming back to. One is the firehouse because they've been in everybody's house. They've been in everybody's hotel. They've been in everybody's restaurant. They know exactly where to go, and they also know exactly where not to go. And the second place is to go to a local library. Yeah, I do too. I love... People never do that, though. No, that's so funny. Because when I travel, I do go look at libraries. They're usually beautiful and lovely. So the the library is, it's my understanding we have about twice as many volumes as a community our size should have. Um, we have beautiful... I love it. You, you don't deserve to have that many books. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just, it's, um, it's one of the nice things about Coronado is that yeah. it's a... Coronado is separate from San Diego. We have our own government. I know you're going to have the mayor on. And we're really, I call us a living, breathing hometown, not just a resort community. You've been listening to Peter Greenberg Worldwide. Catch us each week as we broadcast on the new location somewhere around the world. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home yes, cool. or attending one live, no! you can do more without spending more. Learn how to save at cox.com slash internet. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable. Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability as measured by Ookla LLC in the U.S. to H 2023. Results may vary, not an endorsement. Other restrictions apply. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Farian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them? and not the man pulling the strings. Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.